Well, obviously, I'm a new face, and uh, my name is Mark, and in case I didn't introduce her, my wife's name is Maisie, and uh, the fact that I'm here suggests that you are in transition. You are in what is commonly called the land in between. The land in between is one of those awkward places that we find ourselves. It's between being a teenager and being an adult. They're all things that are changing and and will never be the same again. It's that awkward time between being single and getting married. And life changes. It's that awkward time between being, well, going to school and then finding yourself going to work and living by a whole new set of rules. The land in between is perhaps discovering that you've got an illness that you didn't have before and learning to live with a new normal. It speaks of all the transitions we go through and folks, from the time you were born to the time you leave this world, you really are in the land in between between where you find yourself right now and where you will be tomorrow or the day after. As congregations, we are constantly changing. Your experience is constantly changing. And I want to share with you this morning three things that can help you navigate the constant change of life. One of the great illustrations we have of the land in between is found in the Bible. In fact, as you look from the book of Genesis right through to the book of Revelation, it's all about living in this land in between, this land of change, this land where things never seem to be quite what we want, but always there's perhaps something just ahead of us that is calling us forward. And the more we try to stay where we are, the more difficult it becomes. I planted a garden this year. And the ground was nice and bare and I had fresh plants coming up. And I looked for the change in those plants because I wanted to see them grow. But together with the plants were some other plants that I didn't put there. Where'd they, where'd they come from? And they seemed to be more vigorous than the things that I planted. So it required care. So whether it's putting in a tomato plant or or living your life, there's always care that you have to put in to living. So how do we live in this land in between? Pointing, clicking, I guess I'm going to need help. So the first thing that you need to know as we, you navigate this land in between is that learning to, to is... Living in the land between means learning how to live, letting go of what? Yesterday. Letting go of yesterday. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. Or actually, Jesus had an illustration and he said that if you're going to plow... And, of course, we don't have a lot of people plowing these days, not the way they did back in the days of Jesus when they would take an ox and they would harness it up and they would put a wooden plow behind it and drive the ox ahead and try to control this wooden plow at the same time. And he said this, 
No one putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. So what is he saying? He's saying if you want to drive a straight furrow in the ground, you've got to keep looking forward. You can't be always turning your head back. If you try driving down the highway by, instead of using your mirror, oh, I think I'll see, I think I'll see what's behind me. You won't do it for long. We can't spend our time looking back. The second thing that you need to learn is that we need to embrace a faith for today. We don't look back, but we do embrace a faith for today. And the third important thing that you need to recognize is that we go ahead. Tomorrow is all about being led by our hope in God's promises. You see, it's not about what I'm leaving behind, but what I'm going towards. You can live your life based on regrets and trying to always overcome yesterday and trying to always make up for past mistakes. Or you can live your life saying, this is what God has promised. This is what I put my faith into. And this is where I'm going. And I'm going to let the past go behind me. I'm going to live for Christ today. And I'm going to keep heading forward towards God's promises. The people of Israel in the Old Testament. We have an example of the land in between when we think of the people of Israel as they had moved down. Israel moved down with his family, 70 people into Egypt. They were called down. They were brought down by Joseph as Joseph provided for them as he was a ruler in Egypt and he gave them grain and food and they remained there and they remained there for over Four generations, nearly 400 years, the people of Israel, those 70 who started, became hundreds of thousands. They estimate probably one and a half million Israelites left Egypt when God sent Moses to lead them out. And we have this whole story in the book of Exodus about God leading his people out of Egypt to a place of promise. And as we read the Bible, we especially as you read the Old Testament, you read the story of how people wrestled with God about where God wanted to lead them. God kept promising them blessings if they walked with Him, and the people kept saying, I've got a better idea. And God sent them prophets saying, I think you'll find my idea is better. I've promised to bless you if you do what I've asked you to do. If you go your own way, you will experience the consequences of that. But if you go my way, you will find that there are blessings ahead for you. So they lived in this land in between. The land in between where they were and where they were going. The children of Israel, Moses came and he, he gathered them up and God used the, the ten very strong suggestions in Egypt called plagues and led the people out. And I, I've often thought that those plagues were as much to persuade Israel to get out as they were to persuade Egypt to let them go. Sometimes God needs to do something dramatic in our lives in order for us to shift, to change what we're doing, to change how we do it. 
And I can't speak for you, but I don't like change. I would rather God just bless me with whatever I'm doing. Why can't he just bless me? I, I'll tell him what needs to be done. And, and, and he can do that, can't he? I mean, he's God. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was what? The shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people faced a battle, they might change their minds and return. God's plan was to take this people, lift them up, move them to a place of promise where he could bless them. But to be where he could bless them, they had to leave behind Egypt. They had to leave it behind. And the story of the book of Exodus is the people found that real easy and they loved it, right? Anyone here read the book of Exodus? Yeah. No. They didn't find it easy and they rebelled. They grumbled and they mumbled and they complained and they, 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 were, they got angry with their leaders. They got angry with the people who were being appointed by God to try and lead them into a place of blessing. It's a book of challenge. It's a book of transition. It's a book of change. It's a book that tells us that God has our best interests at heart and he will lead us to a place where he can bless us. As I learned to live letting go of yesterday... I need to understand that God will lead in a roundabout way, just as he led Israel. It never seems to be straightforward. I thought it would be just straightforward, come here, you know, I'll have a nice office, I'll uh, learn all this, the, the office routines, get to know the staff, get to know how everything works, everything's already sorted out, and we'll just, we'll just have a wonderful time, and... And now I've got to figure out all the passwords. I've got to uh, set up the computers. I've got to... Even this morning we, we, we wrestled and we had to pray to get the, the sound system working. But God blessed and we got the sound system going again and the projection system. So things never run smooth. There's always going to be something. And if I expect there to be difficulties, then I also expect God to enable me to overcome those difficulties. So I can say, Lord, all right, the projectors are not working. Show me how it's going to get fixed. And God shows us a fix. And so on, and so on, and so on it goes. We've been kind of keeping track in the office. We get together every morning as staff, and we pray for the day, and we pray for you folks. And uh, so we keep just looking for that. And we've been... Checking off, we prayed for this and God answered it. We prayed for this and God answered it. And we, we've got a list of at least five or six things every day. It's something that God has answered. So it's exciting to trust God, even though it may seem to be a roundabout way. The Apostle Paul puts it this way when he speaks of letting go of yesterday. Brothers and sisters, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. What did he just say? 
Forgetting what is behind? May I suggest to you that that word forgetting might also be put as forgiving? You see, if I forget something, I'm letting it go. If I forget about it, I've let it go. I'm no longer going to be troubled about it. It's no longer going to trouble me. When I forgive something, I say I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let go my right to demand justice or demand payment or demand whatever it is I feel someone owes me because I haven't forgiven them and they, they need my forgiveness. So I'm going to hold that. I've got one over you. But when I let go of yesterday and I let go of the issues of yesterday, and I forgive things behind me, I'm taking hands off. I'm giving it to God. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm not going to let that control me. Because whatever you hold on to in your mind, whatever person you do not forgive, whether you know it or not, that is controlling you It's controlling your thinking and it's controlling your actions. You are being hurt more by your unforgiveness than anyone else. I press on, says the Apostle. I press on toward the goal uh, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Again, we see that theme that we are being called forward. It is God who is moving us ahead. It is God who desires to put us in a better place. And in order to be in a better place, I have to do what the apostle did. I have to be willing to forget that which is behind me. Leave it behind. Let go of it and move on. Just as Israel had to be able to forget and let go of Egypt and move on to where God was going to take them. Learning to live, letting go of yesterday if you'd click that for me. As I let go of yesterday, I now need to take the next step. And the next step is, well, if I've let go of yesterday, where does that leave me? Well, that leaves me in a place where I need to live in a faith for today. And there's an interesting thing that we see in the, the Old Testament record. It says that Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. And when he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. So as I forget yesterday, what should I not forget? What should I be bringing with me? The bones of Joseph represented to the children of Israel the promise that God was with them. Even though a great amount of time had passed, even though a great amount of suffering had come, God was still with them, and Joseph knew that God would be with them because God had said, I will take this people and I will lead them out. And he predicted that some four generations or nearly 400 years before it happened. So when Moses was leading the people of Israel out, they gathered up the bones of Joseph and brought them with him. Now what are the bones to us? What are the bare bones that we must bring with us, that we must never forget, that we must never leave behind? What are those bare bones? 
The apostle puts it this way. He says, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel or the good news that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have, what? Taken your stand. By this good news, by this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. First, the bare bones of our faith. And with a few brief words, the apostle sums it all up for us. And he makes this statement. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. A very simple sentence. But every word is pregnant with meaning. He says that Christ. When he used the word Christ, he used the Greek word for the the Hebrew word Mashiach or Messiah. And when he refers to the Christ or the Messiah, he's referring to all the promises of God that God would send a Savior and that would Savior would come from that whole line. When you read the genealogies and, and all those lines that are re, uh, represented in the Old Testament, they were all pointing to a day when God would send a Savior. And Paul is saying, Christ is that Savior. When he used that one word, Christ. He reminded them of all the promises and all the prophecies of the Old Testament. And that he died. He died for what? That this, this Messiah has come into the world. And that he has given up his life. Why? For our sins. And in saying that, he's speaking of the condition that sits with every one of us, that of rebellion against God, that of not pleasing God, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that we need His forgiveness. And that that forgiveness is only available to us in His Son, Jesus, the Christ. Christ died for our sins. How? According to the Scriptures, just as God said it would happen, so it has happened. God has fulfilled His Word for us. If God is leading me forward, and I look at the Scriptures, and I see that time and time and time again, God has always kept His Word, does that give me any hope for tomorrow when I look at His Word, and I see a promise for me for tomorrow? Should that give us hope as a people of God, as a church, when we see His promises for us for tomorrow? God never fails to keep His word or His promises. That He was buried. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we're saying, I believe He died on that cross for me, and my sins were taken, and they were buried in that tomb with Jesus. And they stay buried. How do I know they stay buried? Because Christ rose from the dead. He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, just as God said it would be. So when God declares that my sins are forgiven and your sins are forgiven by faith in His Son Jesus, are they forgiven? It also gives you the power to forgive others. And that's why I can forget yesterday and I can forgive yesterday 
And I can live in faith today. And it's my faith in Christ that sustains me for today. What are the bare bones? Is it I must bring pews into the future? No. Does it mean I must always keep the the walls painted a certain color? No. Does it mean I must always sing from a hymn book or must always use a particular kind of music or must always use only one translation of the Bible? Well, really, there is only one translation of the Bible that's good, and that's Greek and Hebrew. But I think we've learned to compromise a bit with some of our English (laughs) translations. I embrace a faith for today, and I'm being led by a hope of God's promises for tomorrow. And He leads me on. The Israelites left Sakoth and they camped at Ethem on the other side on the edge of the wilderness. And you see a little map of what that may look like there. And I'll just, whenever they see me clicking madly, they'll just advance the slide for me. Thank you. Being led by our hope in God's promises for tomorrow, the Lord went ahead of them, we read in the book of Exodus. He went ahead of them and he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided a light at night with a pillar of fire and this allowed them to travel by day or by night. As they were being led out of Egypt, God was with them. The fact that they camped implied that this was a temporary or a transitional stage in their life. And you read that they camped. But as they camped and as they camped through the wilderness... God was camping with them. That is so important for us. If we're, Moses said to God, Lord, if you're not going to go with us, we're not going. I'm not going to lead this people unless you lead them. You must go with us. Don't just send an angel ahead. We need you in the camp. It's you we want. It's you we need. And that is what God is saying to us today. That we are led ahead to tomorrow. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. And God will not remove His presence and His guidance from us if we are faithful to Him and we choose to walk with Him. He says... Again, the apostle says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. Sorry, that's Jesus. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. Can you read that for me? Do you believe that? Is he with you right now? Are you going through any difficulties right now, whether in your own life or in in the life of the church? Who is with you right now? Jesus. 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 I am with you always. Whether the projector works or not. Learning to live, letting go of. Embracing a faith for. 
and being led by our hope in God's promises for? This is how we navigate the land in between.